Welcome to a podcast about wealth and life. We all know that our finances play a big part in how we live our lives. In this podcast, the advisors from Foster and Motley share insights and information about investment and financial planning topics and how they connect to your life. What has your money done for you lately? Times are changing and interest rates are rising. Foster and Motley investment manager Tom Guidi is here to talk about possible ways to put your cash to work. I'm Patrice Sikora. Tom, let's start out with what cash are we talking about here? Yeah, the cash that we're talking about is really the money that you have set aside for things like an emergency fund, or if you have some spending that you can anticipate in the next year or so. Things like, well, you want to buy a new car or you have a remodeling project or even saving up for a home down payment. Things that you don't want to have invested for the long run, because when you need to use the money, it might be down just because of the market volatility. Okay, let's put this in context, some historical context here. Why are we talking about this right now? Yeah, it's something that we could have ignored very easily over, say, the last 10 years, because interest rates after the 2008-2009 financial crisis went down near 0%. And so if you had your money in something that typically had earned interest, like a money market, you're getting about 0%. If you had your money in a checking account, you are getting about 0%. <laughs> so yes, it was still important to have emergency savings and it was still important to think about those things, but there really wasn't any opportunity to get much interest. Now, the interest rates are moving the other direction starting really in mid-2022. Uh, we don't know how long that's going to last, but once again, we have opportunity to earn something for the cash that we had set aside. Um, when I say something right now, it's let's just say it's around 4%. That might change over time. So I don't want to uh, kind of quote something too exact. But if you talk about oh, $50,000 set aside in an emergency fund, 4%, that's $2,000 per year. So you don't want to give that up by just leaving it in a checking account paying zero or next to zero. So it's worth exploring what other choices you have. My mom likes to keep her money safe and she had it in CDs paying absolutely nothing. She was <laughs> ecstatic. I must tell you, I took her a few weeks ago to roll one over. She was ecstatic more than 4%. This is a 90 year old woman basically jumping around the bank saying, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. So things definitely have changed. And she probably talked to you about when back in 1985. <laughs> yes, my, 15%, the, 16%. The golden years, yes. Yeah. And interest rates of, you know, we talk about it as something since the financial crisis, but really this has been a long-term trend. This has really been happening since the last time inflation was really a problem and it was tackled in the early to mid 1980s by first raising interest rates. But once once that was tackled, rates fell over time and it really became acute in the last few years where falling over time turned into leveling off near zero. Uh, so 
you know, for your mom and other people who like to have some cash set aside for an emergency, I mean, first thing to remember is it's not a substitute for long-term investing. For most people, 4% or whatever the prevailing short-term savings rate is, is not going to meet long-term financial needs. Because you have to remember that it has to support retirement spending. It has to support overcoming inflation over time. That's where longer-term investing, things like stocks, balanced portfolio with bonds, uh, those types of investments make sense. But for those short-term or unexpected needs, a emergency fund or savings makes sense. So really what you're looking at is looking for the best solution that provides convenience, safety, and interest. And you talk about you know, the most recent CD, it's safe, provides interest. Maybe it lacks a little bit on the convenience because every six months or so often you have to roll it over to a new CD. If you need money in the interim, you, know, you have to sell that CD back to the bank and there's a usually an interest penalty for doing it. Some of the other choices that are available would be things like a savings or checking account. Uh, money market funds have maybe a half step left safety than a savings account at a bank because it's not FDIC insured. But right now they're paying a little bit higher interest for that give up. Tom, why don't you address the difference between a traditional savings account and a money market fund? Uh, sure. Savings accounts are going to be provided by banks solely. What's unique about them is it provides a stated interest rate that is FDIC insured. So that is federal insurance up to, I believe, $250,000 currently. And that means that if that bank went insolvent, the FDIC steps in and makes savers whole. A money market account is not FDIC insured. It's all it is, is it's a mutual fund that invests in short-term interest-bearing investments. A lot of it will be in short-term treasuries, typically, U.S. treasuries. So the underlying investments might have some level of guarantee, depending on the focus of that money market. But you know, if it's a Charles Schwab or a Fidelity money market, they're not necessarily guaranteeing the value of that money market. Now, they want to sell this to investors. It is extraordinarily rare for a money market to lose money. They really just earn their interest along the way. Back in the financial crisis, the 2008-2009 period where everything was very stressed, there were actually a couple of money markets that did what, what's termed break the buck. They, they all have a dollar share price, or most of them have a dollar share price, and they allowed the share price to drop below a dollar. But that was really the end for that fund, because once you've done that, it's you can't market that investment anymore. Nobody's going to put their money in that, given that history. So the Schwab Fidelities of the world, they'd be extraordinarily reticent to allow that to happen to one of their funds. All right. You are an investor, an individual. You have identified some cash that you probably could put someplace. 
what do you do? So it's, you really, I think the first thing is you want to catalog where you already have cash. And we see this with a lot of investors. They'll have savings accounts at a couple of different local banks. Maybe they saw a, you know, a deal for savings on an online bank like Ally or American Express that they had a little bit higher rates. So they deposited some there, you know, maybe where they invest their money for long run, they opened up a separate account for a money market. And in the end, if you look at their balance sheet, the list of the things that they own, they end up with, you know, four or five lines on the balance sheet, all really serving the same pur purpose. It's emergency savings. Um, and they did that eh, just kind of on an ad hoc basis, but it really takes away some of that convenience factor because their money is spread out in different places. And if they had a need, you have to decide where to take it from, or maybe you have, it's too big of a need for one. So you have to take it from a couple. It just becomes another thing to organize. So I think people are best served identifying how much cash they need set aside in an emergency fund or a short-term savings fund. And then use one source for that. It's going to be a lot more convenient. Second, take a look at the options that are available to you for where to save the money. I would compare online savings accounts. Um, and I say online savings accounts. These are the institutions that do not have a local presence and most typically don't have any brick and mortar presence, which saves that institution money from operating a bank branch. But typically they're going to pay higher interest rates. And you can just use a search engine, a Google, and type in online savings rates and you'll find plenty of opportunities out there and compare what is the rate that's available at each of those institutions. And then the other choices are sometimes local banks can have decent interest rates. You might find that a local credit union has you know, a good opportunity for savings. And if that's, maybe you're giving up just a little bit of interest, but it's a lot more convenient for you. I think that's a reasonable choice for a lot of investors. Uh, but the last choice, and maybe to date, maybe the more ignored choice would be a money market account. So you can open one of these up with most typically like a discount broker, whether that be a Fidelity, Schwab, Vanguard. Uh, we custody most of our client assets at Charles Schwab. So um, that's what's most familiar to me. But they have money market funds that pay interest. And what's nice about that account, as well as the online savings accounts, is they can link those to your bank account. And by linking it to your bank account, it seems like, oh, I, there's no local branches. It's not really going to be convenient. But in reality, it ends up being very convenient by linking it to your checking account where you actually use money. And within a day or two, they can transfer money back and forth between the money market or the online savings account to where you typically use on a day-to-day -day basis your checking account at the local bank. And money markets right now uh, they pay a little bit better than online banks, probably about a percentage. 
point better, but that can change over time. So it's just one more tool to evaluate. One percentage point can add up though. That's, that's considerable. Absolutely. Tom, Tom, how can listeners reach you if they've got questions? Yeah. If you have questions, uh, feel free to give us a call. Phone number is 513-561-6640. We also have a website, of course, www.fosterandmotley.com, where we have uh, some great articles about things like interest rates, but also the market in general. And follow this Foster and Motley podcast about life and wealth. Share with others as well, especially if you benefited from the information. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to Foster and Motley, a podcast about wealth and life. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information discussed and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Foster and Motley. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Keep in mind that rules and regulations are subject to change. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions regarding your financial planning and investments. Foster & Motley is not affiliated with any third-party providers. Any mention of a third-party provider does not imply an endorsement of that provider. If you decide to utilize a third-party provider, you do so at your own risk.